that's okay. We'll still going now. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. here today because primarily I wanted to meet up with Mike but also I asked him for some um, possibility of just coming and saying thank you and then Mike said well look why don't you do that but also um, share what's on your heart and I do have some things that I feel the Lord is speaking to the nation and particularly to you as a church but uh, I want to just talk about the, the journey I've been through for a little bit because I think there are some interesting things and in, in you invested in that journey. I, um, I found out about five, six, seven years ago that I had a condition called congenital hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Essentially, what that meant was an inherited heart disease where the heart wall thickens. And if it's not dealt with, your heart could grow to such a size, either internally in the heart or as the heart itself, that it actually expands and doesn't fit into your heart, your chest cavity, and you die from it. So it's a serious heart condition. And uh, I had, had it monitored for many years, since probably around about 2000, 2001. Um, and it was in good control. And then about November last year, uh, I went to the heart specialist, as I was doing, and it had deteriorated significantly to the point I had to stop all exercise and have an urgent heart operation. And through a series of events, um, uh, I ended up in hospital 
um, getting urgently put into hospital, to have a procedure called a myectomy, which basically is they go through the top of the heart and they go through the valves of the scalpel and they shave the knuckle that had grown inside of the heart and there was also the potential that the left mitral valve was faulty and may require a second operation. So cut a long story short, got into the hospital, had the myectomy and I didn't recover. And uh, I was five minutes away from dying. Um, I didn't know this of course because I was very heavily sedated and uh, Patricia was brought in and uh, they said we've got to put him into surgery urgently because if we don't his whole body is in the process of shutting down. And uh, she said well we've got time for the kids to come. The kids were up near Hawaii, stuck in a van and she's trying to get them to come because they're saying your father's going into an operation and of course by the, the first operation was, a, was one of the most risky operations you can have on your heart other than a heart replacement and only one or two surgeons in all of New Zealand can do the operation, the myectomy. But, I needed it, but my heart was shutting down, the mitral valve was, was, um, was, was no good and they had to replace the mitral valve with a mechanical mitral valve and that's why Mike, talk past, Mike talks about the, the tick. If you were very quiet you'd hear the tick in the room. Um, so you know we had that, that, that second operation uh, but I didn't recover and they were really concerned they couldn't get me to recover and uh, it was really only through some people coming up into the hospital and praying for me that uh, I started to recover and they were able to get the tubes out and so on and of course it was then for me an unfolding revelation of what actually they'd done. I didn't know for four or five days that I'd had two heart, operation, heart operations. I didn't know how serious it was. I'm just recovering. Um, but the thing that I came to realise as I was at the point of dying, as I look back on it, I'm alive today because of the prayers of the saints of God in New Zealand and around the world. I have absolutely no doubt at all that I would be dead if it wasn't for the saints of God that prayed. I never understood the power of intercession until this experience because we have interceded and seen so many people die but actually you interceded and, I've, and I'm alive and I, and I know beyond any doubt that's the reason I'm alive. The stories of people praying for me are just remarkable. A pastor for four nights could not go to bed and sleep. He had to pray for me for four nights all night. His wife was so stirred by the Holy Spirit for three days and three nights she couldn't lie down, she couldn't sit down. People couldn't understand what was going on but the Holy Ghost had taken her over and said you must pray for Brent Douglas because his life is at risk. The problem was that it wasn't just, those, those are just one example of literally dozens and dozens of people. And I, the first thing I want to say to you today is how grateful and how thankful I am to you and to your church for praying for me. I'm here today because you prayed. Your prayers joined the saints around the world, but I know that this particularly as a church gave yourselves, and some of you really gave yourselves to prayer, and it's that that has actually kept me alive. 
The second thing I want to say to you as well is how grateful Patricia and I are that you released Mike to come, and Mike and Joy to come and see me in the hospital. And uh, I didn't want to see anybody else because Mike's been my friend for 30, 40 years. And uh, Mike came into the hospital and uh, prayed for me and was such a great support. And uh, I want to just thank you for letting Mike come. And of course, I didn't know this until um, you know, some days later that Patricia had asked Mike to come to the church and to talk to the church and minister to our church, which he did. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that because there is nobody in the world that I would have wanted to come and see me other than Mike and Joy because of what I was going through. And I don't know that anybody that I know in the world would understand the dynamics and the, the warfare and the wrestle that was actually going on at the time. And to be honest, I don't know that I understood that at the time, but certainly Patricia and Mike and Joy understood that the spirit of death was coming around me and it was trying to take me out and it needed somebody of his weight and Joy's weight in the spirit to pray and to push the demon forces back from around me. And this is really my formal thank you to you as a church for your support, for your releasing of Mike and Joy into our situation. And uh, for whatever happens in the future and whatever good things that we may do in the future, you have now got an investment in that. And uh, so I am just so deeply grateful. I uh, say so thank you. Is there anything you want to say and then I'll share some things? Um, 
before that, I was determined I know I'd have a conversation with my computer because I'd always think I didn't want people to know, I didn't want them to be the focus, I wanted it to be just our family dealing with it, but when it became critical, all that was over. I thought we just got to get here and here. And the other person that I was with was not. And I just, I just knew that was lost. We would have lost it. And um, I just, and I looked back and I just somehow knew that the times I was in my life were just the lifetime and active and have the responses that could have brought about the results. Um, I guess, yeah, it, it, was, it was incredible. I mean, I can only, only know if you really would lose life to it. And I guess the other thing that I, I just recognised was the power of a apostolic and prophetic church as you are. And when Greg says that things need to be shifted, they would need to be shifted. And, and, and by, by an apostolic I um I want to share um, what I learned through the experience because I think it's relevant for us as ministries to understand what actually goes on. And um, I mean, I know that I'm not the only one that's had near-death type experiences, but there there are, there are three things that I came to realise. The first thing was what you put into your spirit is what will communicate to you when you cannot pray. I am a revivalist at heart and my heart is for the Holy Spirit to flow. It replayed like a crack record in my spirit for hours upon hours a song that a woman by the name of Karen Wheaton, who I think is one of the most anointed worship leaders in the world, a song she says, you know, let the river flow, you know, let the spirit come. Let Revival come. She just does a song. In fact, I was listening to it on the plane coming here. And the, the first line of that, that song just kept playing over and over and over and over and over because, you see, that was, that's my life message. And that life message is what came through. And I think it's important that we know what our life message is personally and then we invest in it because that's what actually communicates. The second thing that I came to realise was the incredible clarity of how your future should look. You know, I could pray for hours and hours and wait on God and get counsel and still not get the clarity that when you are totally at the point, and even you're under all the drugs and under all of the hallucinations and so on, but there was a clarity in your spirit and in my spirit as to what my next 25 years must look like. And I have started to implement the next 25 years. I know that my next 25 years are going to be the most fruitful years of my life. But I saw it so clearly, so black and white. And 
I won't bore you with what those details are. But your spirit communicates that and when your, all your defences are down, your spirit's able to come through and actually speak. And so I came out of the hospital knowing what my life needed to look like. The third thing that I came to realise, which may surprise you, I never understood that I was loved by people. Now that may be a strange thing to say, but some a month or two after I got out of the hospital, and I'm still and I am still in recovery mode in many, many sense. They say it'll take a year to come fully recovered. I had to do a tour with the Network Christian Ministries, which I fundamentally, which I basically oversee. I went to Christchurch, went to Palmerston North, and of course to Auckland. And uh, like today, uh, I had person after person come up to me crying and saying how great it is to see you alive. And they would begin to share about the, the encounters with God as the Spirit of God stirred them to pray for me. And I was stunned because you've got to understand from my perspective um, what I've done in the nation has not been because I want money or recognition or honour or status. I've done what I've done because actually I love New Zealand and I love his, his church in New Zealand. And uh, I made a lot of mistakes over the years and all that stuff, but the fundamental driving force is actually I love God's church. I love the church in New Zealand. And so there has never, ever in my heart been an expectation to receive back. Not even to receive honour if that's not going to be there. I'll still do what I'm doing. Not even to receive love. And all of a sudden to find that there was this incredible love in the body of Christ was absolutely stunning to me. And uh, I, uh, I had this experience... Uh, recently um, there's a church in Auckland the South Auckland Community Church the Church of Cook Islanders and they see me as their sort of father over their church and one of the things that had happened I felt the Lord had said to me when I first got out of hospital that I needed to go to my church and say thank you to the church for praying and what had actually happened is and I just went for two minutes I had to be helped up on the stage um, and I had to be helped down, helped into the car, but I really believed in God that I needed to say thank you right, at the, right as soon as I could, so I did. And it went for about two minutes, and unbeknown to Patricia and I, this video was put onto the internet. And uh, we have subsequently found that this video went all around the world. People, because we had it taken off, 36 hours later we had it taken off, but all around the world, people had seen this video, right? And the South Auckland Community Church had seen it. And they, they had a, we'd, we'd sort of got a ministry into their church one midweek meeting. And I said, look, I, I'd like to come and just listen to this guy. And uh, it was so funny because I, I arrived about half past eight. So, you know, the meeting had been going for an hour. And it was like, it really didn't matter what that guy was saying. It was like they weren't interested in him. I'd arrived. Now, again, you don't expect the response, but they then told me the story. 
And they said, Brent, do you not realise that you're our father and we love you so much? And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for you. And then she said one day, she said I was, uh, after you got out of hospital, but she said I was, I was in my, my house and someone yelled to me and said, uh, to Rani, which is the wife, she said, come and see it, come, come here. And this was the video and they played the video. And I'm told the story that she fell down under the power of God and she screamed. For the next three Sundays, she played the video in her church. And people fell under the power of God. People wept. People shouted for three weeks of watching the video. Now, I don't think, and, and she says to me, it's the most powerful testimony she's ever seen. My point of saying the story is, there was an example of a church that deeply loved me, and they expressed that love through praying for me, and, uh, and that connection. So, of course, the end of that night, it was all about relating to Dad. And uh, it's, again, my thanks to the body of Christ and my thanks to the church here for, for praying for me and just standing with me and, and so on. And uh, my heart, since the operation, it's like a switch has got turned on. Um, you know, we, I'm losing weight, believe it or not, um, I'm fitter than I have been but emotionally and spiritually it's like I have been totally transformed and I've got drive and motivation and uh, faith at levels I haven't experienced. I didn't realise how debilitated I'd become. So I am believing for God to do great things through our nation and the South Pacific as a consequence and, uh, I, I, and I'll just share one more experience and then I want to share what I feel the Holy Ghost is saying to you and to our nation. I was invited to go to the Fiji um, conference with Suli Suliisi. And there was about 3,000 in the auditorium and about 2,000 outside. And I was the keynote speaker. And I'm six weeks from recovery. And after two heart operations, there's a fair degree of stress. But I really felt in God to go. And... Um, and for a whole lot of circumstances, um, God used me and it was fantastic and we connected really strongly. But they, for a week, they had this conference of people. They planted churches in England and the, um, uh, the, the Maasai in Africa, all around the world and so on. They raised $2 million for their next 12 months for missions. And... These are very poor people. They put their hands up the number of businessmen that were in the meeting and there were maybe 30 business people. So it wasn't business people that were giving $2 million. These were people like you and I. But it made me realise how incredibly self-centred we are in New Zealand, how incredibly selfish we are, myself included, and how if that experience of seeing that and, the, and how much it stunned me, even though I was so sick, I realised that was like a prophetic statement. I've got to come again to New Zealand and see God bring revival and see things start to unlock in our nation again. So thank you. I have, uh, I have three things I want to share with you, if I may do that. Um, unless you've got any questions or you want to say or comment before I do this. We're glad to see you alive. <laughs> Wonderful. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be alive. It's interesting, actually, you know, um, when you're dying, I knew I was dying, actually, at one point, 
they kept lying to me saying you're alright but I knew I wasn't alright um, but actually when you're a Christian it doesn't matter because to die is gain yeah. but to, to stay is for Christ and actually that was so real to me and I knew the only reason I need to stay is because there's a work to do in our nation and that's for Christ because to die would have been to gain let's turn our Bibles if you would to Exodus 33 I am uh, I'm deeply burdened about some things I believe after 30, 40 years of being a Christian whatever and pastoring for nearly 30 years I have been in the forefront of some of the most amazing moves of the Holy Spirit that has ever hit our nation I was a key player in our nation for the Toronto Blessing and I'm so thankful for the Lord that he actually used me to go around and do revival. We, we, we actually led one of the longest running revival meetings other than something that happened in, um, near Wellington uh, in, in Timaru for five months, four nights a week and uh, miracles have got onto TV and the newspapers and all sorts of stuff. So God has used me. I can tell the signs of when a revival is about to unlock but I can also see at the same time the signs of deception and danger and I want to talk about three things I want to talk about glory I want to talk about faith and I want to talk about miracles I want to talk about glory and uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles if you've got your Bibles to Exodus 33 and I want to show you something that has absolutely transformed my understanding of what God is doing in the world and in our nation today there is this I believe it's a move of God of the glory of God coming to the church when we were in the charismatic movement I think one of the most destructive doctrines that was taught in the charismatic movement was that the sign of a person having received the baptism of the Spirit was speaking in tongues. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Speaking in tongues is the natural, normal and expected result of a power encounter with God. When I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, it was in an hour and a half of a power encounter. And it transformed my life. Um, but what actually happened in the charismatic movement, we said, the sign is tongues, so we look for tongues. When you had tongues, we said, hallelujah, you got the baptism. When actually, most people didn't have the baptism, they got the gift. And the proofs and the puddings, because the miracles didn't unlock, the signs and wonders didn't unlock as we expected and the souls didn't flood into the kingdom of God which is proof because it was power to be my witnesses I see the same thing is happening right now with the glory I believe that the thing that people are going for is actually like the speaking in tongues it should be the normal and subsequent result of something much more important and the thing that people are fascinated by is the gold dust is the jewels it's the angelic visitations it's the uh, heavenly third heaven experiences and, and all of those things that are going on in the glory movement 
All of those things I totally agree with and I totally endorse. But they are not what we should be going after. But when you go for the wrong thing, you get the wrong result. See? And I became very, very troubled, especially when the gold dust started to happen. And I've had the gold dust, we've had the feathers, we've had the jewels and all of that stuff. And it was, to me it was just ludicrous seeing people staring in their hands trying to find a speck of gold dust in their hands. But we had rem remarkable things with all the gold dust and the oil and the wind. And, the, and one of the things the Lord said to me was, he said, um, I will release the fragrance, and this is in recent years, whenever you ask me to bring the fragrance, I will bring it. And without fail, every single time I've asked the Holy Ghost to bring his fragrance into a meeting, the fragrance has come. I've had situations where 100% of a, of a congregation, and I'm talking 2,000 people at a time, have all smelt the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. So we have seen all of these things. But I became deeply troubled that people were going for that and not going for the real thing. I want to read you something that absolutely stunned me in Ezekiel 33 Exodus, I'm sorry Exodus 33 verse 17 and the Lord said to Moses I will also do this thing of which you have spoken for you have found favour in my sight and I have known you by name then Moses said I pray thee show me thy glory now that's the prayer that everybody's asking they're going to glory conferences and you're getting glory ministries in and people are having glory experiences whatever that's packaged this is what people are having and it's all wonderful and he said I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show compassion on whom I'll show compassion but he said you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, stand on the rock, and, and I'll pass by, and, and you'll see my back, and so on. Now, of course, the first thing is God says, doesn't he, that he will not share his glory with another. So we have a problem right from there. But here's the thing. God's response to the cry for glory was this. This was God's answer to his prayer. Now, look at it. I will make my goodness pass before you, number one, I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show compassion on whom I will show compassion. What is he actually expressing? Whenever he talks about the name, I'll pass my name before you, he's talking about what? The nature and character of God. When he's talking about goodness passing before you, he's talking about I will reveal my nature and character and personality to you. Whenever he's talking about here gracious and compassion, what is he talking about? He's talking about the nature, character, person, the, the person, the personality of God. What's he actually saying? I'll tell you the response for the glory is intimacy. It's knowing God at a level on an intimate relationship with God, unprecedented in the history of the church since the early church. I believe that where many of the glory conferences and glory ministries are missing it, we have got fascinated by the manifestations as we did with the charismatic movement and as we did with the Toronto blessing. It was all about falling over and laughing. And many churches 
missed the boat on that. I, I never believed it was about the falling over and laughing. I believe the Throne of Blessing was about leadership shift and releasing of new authority and understanding how power, supernatural power operates. That's a whole other story. But you see, we all went, many, many people, I, I didn't, but many people went for the wrong thing. And they wondered why it dried up. But in my church, it's never dried up. You understand? See, it just goes, I mean, I can stand up any time in my church, everyone will get drunk. And here we are on the precipice of the glory movement right as it's growing and it's, I think we're only at the start of it and already the seeds of deception are here like was in the charismatic movement, like was in the Toronto Blessing where we went for the, the subsequent results of that without going for what that thing really was about. The glory is about knowing God. And I believe if we're not careful, we're going to miss the day of our visitation because we're not understanding that the glory is actually about a grace that has come to the church to enable believers to find Christ in a level of intimacy unprecedented in our lifetime. That if we actually understood that and stopped going for the gold and stopped going for the third heaven experiences and stopped going for the angels and stopped looking for that as the focus but actually looked to knowing him, we would actually find that we would flow from this to revival. The charismatic movement was meant to take us to revival but instead... We prophesied over each other in our churches and we indulged ourselves with the gifts of the Holy Ghost and it never went out into the community. So we got the Toronto blessing. It was another chance. But instead of seeing it was the power of God to go out into our community, we just had these wonderful meetings. And here we are and we're making the same mistake. And I want to come as a prophetic warning to the body of Christ and to you today. We mustn't make this mistake again and I'll show you why in a moment I will show you why I believe that we are right on the verge of a major move of God and I will show it to you and why this church is, is at a major move of God I'm going to speak to the church in a moment but if you get this wrong I believe you'll miss your day of visitation and I am deeply deeply concerned about it very good so I want to encourage you to get your thinking as leaders and in your congregation properly focused. This glory is coming to know him. As a consequence of that, I am booking out now that I've got better. I'm booking out my mornings now to pray like I used to pray. Um, I'm not going to tell you how long, but many hours a day I'm looking to do this now because I want to know him. I want to know... I want a fresh renaissance of Christ in my life. I am believing, now listen to this carefully, I am believing for a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit like I had with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I'm not looking to it via what I see happening in the glory movement. You understand? Look, if God gives that to me, I will be the happiest man alive but I want a supernatural sovereign thing because I am developing intimacy with him. And what he decides to give to me is up to him. And I don't know how it is. I'd never realised that when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
for one and a half hours I'd be lifted off the floor and smashed on the floor, laughing, crying, laughing, crying, and then speaking in tongues. I never knew that that was going to happen. And I know for me that there's another encounter, but it's not because I'm going for the gold dust or the angelic visitation or being taken into third heaven or getting so drunk I can't get off the floor for 12 hours or anything like this. It's something that comes out of I'm just loving God and I'm making an intimacy with him and then he will bring something to me. He will bring a visitation to me. And if, I, if all I do between now and the day that I die, that I keep seeking God for that and it doesn't come, I will still seek God for it because I am determined I will not focus on the wrong thing. Because as a, as a, if you like a leader in the Father in the body of Christ, I've got to lead by example. Eh? I plea, I make a plea to you. Don't go for the results. Go for what it's about. It's about knowing him. And that's the thing that God revealed to Moses. His character. The second thing that I so feel, I want you to turn to Matthew 17. I want to show you something that the Lord so wonderfully exposed to me in such a such amazing way. Um, Matthew 17, you have the transfiguration. And uh, they then have this problem in, in verse 14 onwards of this kid that's been brought to the disciples and they are unable to cast the demon out and Jesus comes and he rebukes them. And they, and they say, well, what was the problem? And he says in verse 20, he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for if truly you had faith the size of a mustard seed. You know, there is a huge challenge on at the moment in this glory thing. Because actually, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now listen, you can have all the glory experiences, you can have all the gold dust and all the oil and all the fragrance and all the rolling around drunk and all the rest of it. But if you as a leader and as a leadership do not have faith to break through into miracles and break through into souls and break through in the spirit, you're nothing. Because God's not happy with you or with me. And the interesting thing was, if you do a study, as I've done through the book of Matthew, every time he commends a person's faith, they're a person who fundamentally doesn't know God. But those who were meant to know God were the ones that didn't have faith. You know, they they were in the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, and of course it was a phenomenal glory experience, see? Like many people are having today. And may even have tonight. Many people are having these great experiences. But in Jesus' evaluation, it was, well, let's see whether that glory experience outworks itself in being able to cast a demon out. And the answer was no. And so he said, even though you had this incredible third heaven experience, you've got no faith. See, what's the issue? So the issue is, you're no good if you don't have faith. And that faith needs to express itself in all sorts of ways. It needs to express itself in believing for the money. 
It needs to express itself in believing for the miracles. It needs to express itself in seeing the church grow. It needs to express itself in seeing lives that we're ministering to transformed. And if that's not happening, you can have all the experiences of the glory of God that, that you might, might think that you should have. It means absolutely nothing in the economy of God because he's looking at us and saying, you've had these great experiences, but you've actually got no faith. That's true. And I've got a pro- and so and Jesus is basically saying, I've got a real problem. And so Jesus is incredibly angry at his disciples. In the same way, when he's asleep in the boat and there's this huge storm, and they, are, they wake him up, these fishermen who should have felt safe in the sea, but they knew they were dying, and Jesus is asleep, and they wake him up, and he rebukes, he rebukes the, the, the storm, and he turns and he rebukes the, the disciples. And we think the poor disciples, I mean, they were nearly dying, they were full of terror, and he's rebuking them. But you see, they had already had months and months and months of seeing miracles, seeing Jesus work in faith. And this was actually given to them as their first opportunity not to pray to Jesus but to pray to the storms and break the storms of life. And they failed to understand their moment of visitation because that storm was an opportunity to exercise faith and they missed it. And as a consequence, they rebuked. And the whole challenge all the time with the disciples and Jesus was they were not elevating their faith. And I believe faith's measurable because he talks about he's given us an allotment of faith and that what we do with our faith determines whether the faith will, will, will increase, double, triple, quadruple, or whether our faith is the same level as what it was. I believe faith's measurable. And I believe that it's my job as a leader and my staff to measure how much allotment of faith each of my leaders are operating in and challenge them to grow in faith because Jesus expects that of his disciples. And if you are only capable of doing what you were able to do two years ago at your faith level, you are actually failing. Now that's a huge challenge because I'm facing that right now because I've got some growth barriers I want to bust into but I have to draw on every bit of faith that I've got and believe that God will somehow grow some more faith. You understand? Now, remember the story for a moment in the boat and the storm. Now, I want you to turn to Mark and I want to show you something in, uh, in Mark 13 that the Lord really showed me. I believe this is the word for your church. I believe it's related to Jesus in the boat and the storm. And I believe, Mark 13, and I believe this is directly connected to your church at the moment that you need to see. Jesus talks about the temple getting destroyed. And they ask him, when will these things happen? And in verse 5, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying I'm here and will mislead many and you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. Do not be frightened. These things must take place. And that's not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. And and these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And he goes on with a whole lot of issues that are going to happen. 
Um, the first thing is these are just birth pangs. But they are birth pangs that we need to understand are birth pangs and not ignore what's happening. I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that there is something about what's happening in Christchurch. I'm not saying it's the judgment of God, but I am saying no one's got killed. And why is that? I think it's, and, and, and of course Mike and I were talking about this today, see Christchurch was the centre of the birth, was the birthplace of the prophetic and apostolic in our nation. And they have betrayed that positioning in the spirit. And we need to understand there are some birth pangs in our nation and God somehow is letting us know of those birth pangs that are continuing because there's yet to be a proper response to that. But actually, there is trouble. There's been trouble in your church. There have been storms, I know, because I've had only a little talk, but I know that you've been through some storms. I, the first thing I want to say to you is they're just birth pangs. And birth pangs are always a promise of a birth. And that birth is actually a revival. It's the release of what the glory is all about. The glory is birth pains to something much more powerful for our nation. I believe that we are on the verge of a revival. And I'll show you biblically why, if I might do that from a, from a prophetic perspective, in verse 29. He goes right through all of these things, all these troubles, all these birth pains that are happening. And then he finishes off by saying, in verse 29, even so you too, when you see these things happening, recognize he is near. He's right at the door. He is near. He is right at the door. We look at the birth pains. We look at the storms that were, that were in the boat. We look at the troubles that have been and the, and the problems that have been in Bay City. We look at the eco economy that many churches have suffered on and all the rest of it. Look, they are just birth pains and right. they are a sign right. that he's right at the door. He's actually so close to coming in with visitation and revival if you got your eyes off the birth pains and looked to the thing that is actually right there is that Jesus is right at the door. He is standing right there to come and he's actually near. These troubles are a sign to you as a church that he's right near you. He's right at the door. Now of course the thing is we struggle with this because we're dealing with the, with the day by day traumas of, of people leaving and people going and doing this and going to that. We think how can we survive and we feel betrayed sometimes and we feel hurt and all the rest of it. But if we can get a global perspective, a biblical perspective, yeah, all of these things are simply a tremendous sign that he's at the door for you as a church, for goodness sake. And how can I say that to you? Because this is the primary, the primary apostolic prophetic church of New Zealand. This is the, this is the, the centre of what I would consider to be the primary revival spot of New Zealand in this building and where we're seated here tonight, today. 
And you have to understand the perspective that I believe God sees you from. I believe this perspective is, I've shaken you up a bit. But listen, if you can, from the littleness of faith, lift your faith and see it from God's perspective, it's actually a sign that something's about to get birthed and he's right at the door of your spirit realm, of your church, of your leadership, of your people to bring in something far greater than you have ever experienced before in the life of your church. Very good. You have to lift your faith to see it that way because otherwise all you will see are the birth pangs and the pain and not see beyond the birth pangs and pain to what God's actually doing. In the same way the glory, it's actually about bringing intimacy. See? The storm was actually about elevating faith. The glory is about finding Christ in a new way. But in the process, always there's going to be great trouble. There's always going to be a storm before a deliverance. There's always going to be trouble before the birth. There's always going to be pain before the child is born. But I say to this church, he's right at the door of your church. And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says. Because you need to hear that. And I believe... You know, you look back on 2009 and 10. What are we now? 10. And it'll be nothing. It'll be just like a, a shadow of nothing for what you're about to enter into. Because you're just going through some birth pains. And with the birth pains, some pain has to happen. A clearing out of some stuff needs to happen. But he's right at the door. He's right at the door. The third thing that I feel and uh, I am advantaged from the fact that I've been involved in the ministry for since I was a teenager, I've never seen the miracles like I see today. I've never seen the signs and wonders of supernatural healings and the quantity of healings as I see today. I've developed a very, very good friend, a friendship with a man who I won't go and tell his name, but he's a very rich man, he's a Christian. And he, we now regularly meet up. And uh, he said this to me. He said, I yearn for the days of the charismatic movement. And I said to him, I don't. What I've experienced in the last 15 years far outstrips anything of what I saw in the charismatic movement. I mean, I was there at Alexander Park Raceway when Ray Mosfold had prayed for this woman who had tuberculosis or something like that, had no eyebrows and eyelashes. He prayed for her. I watched them grow before my eyes until within 20 minutes she got a full set of eyebrows and eyelashes. But that's nothing to what I've seen in the last 12 months of miracles. The quantity of miracles, the abundance of signs and wonders my own son, two weeks ago on Sunday night, some of you will have heard of the metal disappearing in people's legs. I don't understand that. Metal suddenly getting flexible. And, so, and this is happening all over the place. And my son, who um, had a kite surfing accident and had to end up having metal put into his ankle and couldn't walk or run with the pain, he gets paid, prayed for by Chad Deadman. 
and he ends up running back and forth in the front of our auditorium. That same son is who I say to Mike, who you'd think is the most shut down person in many respects. He's not sort of a given to emotion. But it's, but it's having the Holy Spirit come upon him and take him into prayer. And for five minutes he will, he will find himself weeping and weeping and weeping. And then he comes out of it. And he says, Dad, what's happened to me? I said, it's just the spirit of intercession. And then I could describe other encounters of the Holy Spirit that is happening to him. But you see, the miracles are at a rate unprecedented in our lifetime. The deaf ears opening, the eyes popping open, the cripples in wheelchairs, the limbs that are broken and misformed getting straightened and getting healed. This is abundant. This is happening all over our nation. It's happening in my church. I'm sure it's happening in your church. But the most important thing is it's happening in the streets. We just, uh, and I'm finishing off with this, we had the colour our church, the group of Maoris who I'm very closely linked with, uh, Matt I. Bennett, and I believe he's one of the great Maori leaders in our nation. And uh, they all came up, about 30 of them came up to our church the other day. And they ride into treasure hunts. You may have heard of the treasure hunt, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, our people were with them and uh, they were constantly, these Maori people were constantly looking for people in the streets. They went out 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night looking for people they could pray for. We went to the boat stack place in Orange Marine. I took them because I knew this was something that none of them would have ever seen. And they found the, the, the manager there had a finger in a splint. They prayed for him, totally healed. And here the manager was going around like this. He couldn't do that, you know. Absolutely wonderful. I want to say something to you in closing that all of the things that we have experienced in the last 30 or 40 years is all culminating in one thing and that is to take the glory of God out into our community. We must repent of self-indulgence. We must deal with this being about us. People always want personal prophecies. And I'm into praying and prophesying with people, but listen, it's not about you. This is about us going into our community and taking this incredible heritage of God in the spirit and in the glory and in the intimacy and, and in the faith that's developed and taking that and starting to impact our community you know, I many, many years ago dispensed of the methodologies of evangelism <laughs> because they all required a certain character, character type person which was basically to sneakily and deceptively entrap a person to have to say, yes, I need to become a Christian. And I just, in integrity, cannot do that. But integrity, I can look at a sick person or a person in pain and say, would you mind me praying for you? Because we see God healing you. The stories that Chad Dedman gave of supermarkets lining up for prayer and similar things was just phenomenal. I've assigned my new youth pastor that one of his primary jobs is to get the treasure hunt dynamics 
from our intermediates to high schoolers that must become a characteristic part of their life. My challenge as I leave you on this today is, what are you doing about it? Because unless you're doing it, your church won't do it. And if you don't do it, all we will do is we'll repeat what happened in the charismatic movement, what happened in the Toronto Blessing, and then we'll be still praying for revival when he is at the door wanting to come in. He just needs us to obey him. God bless you. Wonderful. Absolutely, I'd love to. I'd love to. Wonderful. You want to set that up? Dave and Kate, why don't you um, just sit on a chair here for a few minutes and I'll just prophesy over you. Um, I'll just prophesy, then I'll pray for you. But just sit down, let me just talk to you as I feel the Lord leading me, okay? I obviously know, I obviously know something of you know, what you're doing. I don't know the details of it. But... Uh, the moment Mike said that to me, I felt like the Lord has stripped away a whole lot of capacities, abilities, dynamics in preparation to replace some capacities, abilities and giftings in your life. And I feel like it is not a, a, a process of going from one step to the next step to the next step sequentially. I feel like in the spirit... Around your life, it's like being at that step, but elevating way beyond anything that you've experienced. And I feel like the Lord is wanting that expectancy for that to happen in your life. We could call it a promotion, but I think it's more than just a promotion in the spirit. I think it's a new mantle, one taken off and another put on you. I think that uh, I think in the spirit realm behind you, Dave, and I can see it in the spirit off your left shoulder. It's just hanging above you. Is a is a is a great new level of authority that you don't yet have activated. But I'm going to ask the spirit of God shortly. If someone reminds me, I'm going to believe for the spirit of God to pull that down upon you, and I think it's going to have a a huge influence upon you. I feel, Katie, over you that there is a whole dimension of wisdom that the Lord is actually um, downloading into your spirit at the moment. And what I actually see is a whole lot of ways of doing things that you've done in the past. And all of a sudden, you're evaluating, even though some of those things were successful, it's like you've been through a process, as I perceive it, of evaluating the way you've done things, the way you've thought about things and the way you've believed about things and it's like all of that stuff is up for grabs and God actually is challenging you to rethink the way of life, of ministry, 
and of your gift. I feel like with you particularly, it's like, it's like God has almost allowed a process to take off from under you the securities that you've been in and you're having to find a new reality of security in him. And this is an incredible challenge because there is actually great anxiety in your heart as to whether you will actually have enough of God in you, or if you like, faith or whatever, to survive what's going to happen. And I feel my message to you today is you actually do have it all there. But when you're going through the dealings of the Lord and the strippings of God and the removal of foundations, it makes you actually wonder, do I really have that inside me? But I want to assure you that there is a great heritage that you've built up that at the critical moment, God will bring to you. Remember how Jesus said it in Matthew 23. He said, don't be worried about what you'll say at the moment. I'll give you the words. You are going to find, I believe without any shadow of a doubt, a supernatural giving to you of revelation to say things that are going to be so wise it is going to stun the hearers. And actually, Dave, you're going to look at her and you're going to say, that's not my wife. But actually it won't be the wife that you've known. And as a consequence of that, there is going to be a, a, a significant reshuffling of how you relate together. Because you can't be what you were for what you're going to go into. And I, I sense that you have been through a season of evaluating actually your marriage, how you relate, how you work together, how you think about your future. Because that's necessary because you are about to enter into a level of spiritual warfare. And I feel in the spirit as I say that, a great warning to you about that. Not for fear, but for preparation. Just pray and fast a little bit and remind yourself that you are called to stand against the wiles of the devil and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Because you are called, Dave, to break through on strongholds. I believe over the next six months that the Lord will probably, I, I suspect, okay, but I feel very strong that over the next six months there will be six strongholds that the Lord will give to you to identify that you will be, that you will be able to war against and break. I think you'll find the Lord will speak to you about some things and just be open to it. And sometimes they'll come very, very clear. Sometimes there'll be a suspicion but you need to turn your suspicion into this is a stronghold that I'm seeing. I think the Lord's going to give you incredible discernment about at least six major things. And as together you wrestle with those things, um, I feel it will actually create a, um, an openness in the spirit realm for you to traverse into. Um, I, feel, I feel to say this. Don't be afraid of those that would resist what you're doing because the favour of God is actually on you and uh, there are more both in the spirit and in the natural who are for you than against you and you need to know that that even when it seems all hell's broken loose there is more who is for you than against you I, um, I see your hands writing, I, it's a really strange thing, I'm not talking about writing a book but I just see you writing a whole lot of stuff and, and, and I believe it's revelation actually, I believe there's a, 
there's a spirit of revelation. The Lord, if he hasn't already given it to you, is actually coming into you and it's going to express itself in incredible revelation flowing. And this is going to empower you to speak to some really, really powerful people. I feel an exhortation for you to believe for words of God that are specific and detailed for people of, of um, political influence. I think the Lord will actually give that to you. And part of it is going to be the download. I, 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 just, I feel like in the spirit realm there's all this download stuff that the Lord has got waiting for you. It's just going to come down to you and you'll need to write it down. I believe that both of you need to be very astute with your dreams. Don't wake up in the morning and, and let the dreams pass. You need to write them down. I believe the Lord's really going to speak to you. I think he's probably, I, I, I feel like there's been three dreams that um, have already come to you that you may or may not have identified, but I feel like the Lord's been trying to get through to you in the dream world. And uh, you need to be very conscious of that process because it's going to be key dynamics for what the Lord's going to do in your life. Um, I want to say this. This is not something to be afraid of, okay? It's just something to understand. Don't be afraid of persecution because you have faith. And the faith will prevail without doubt. It will prevail. And uh, that's all I have at the moment. Except, Katie, there is a capacity that the Lord is giving to you that hasn't happened quite the same ever before of the ability to sniff out trouble before it happens. I feel that process and capacity has been given to you and uh, it's going to increase big time and you need to be really aware of what you are sensing and coming but you need to do it with great humility because it's just going to take great wisdom. That's why I think the wisdom things around you at the moment. Now, I feel it's time to pray for you. Just stand up. Um, now, let me, just, uh, let me just hold your hand for a moment. Let me just feel what I feel. Um, there's a whole new level of teaching gift that's, uh, that's on you at the moment, Dave. <coughs> right now, Spirit of God. Spirit of God, come. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to bring this, this uh, mantle of, um, of authority down. Now, Spirit of God, right now, I pray that you would bring that mantle of authority upon Dave. In the Spirit right now, I release it to him. Father, draw it down upon him right now. Here it comes, coming down your left shoulder right now. He's starting to feel it come. It's coming with a teaching gift and a revelatory gift. Now, release it into him in Jesus' name. As I lay my hands on you, you're going to feel the power of God come. Here it comes. Fire! Fire! Right now. Fire! Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Around you, Katie, there is a whole spirit of wisdom that the Lord wants to bring to you that is just so important for you. And there's a supernatural induction in the Holy Ghost for this talks about the gift of wisdom but actually the spirit of wisdom as well and I feel the spirit of God wants to bring a spirit of wisdom more than just a gift 
but a lifestyle of wisdom that, and it's not something that you've been lacking in wisdom, it's just there's a whole level. And I'm going to ask the Lord to bring the, the power of that to you right now. And here it's coming down actually your right side. Father, release that to her right now. The spirit of wisdom right now. Right now. Right now. Let it come to her right now. And also the discerning of spirits. As I lay hands on you, I call it forth at a measure like she has not known before. Father, the discerning of spirits. Father, give it to her now in the spirit. I release it to her. Right now. I am going to pray something that, uh, and I don't even know why I'm praying it, but I just feel it. Father, I break every spirit of hatred against her, around her, in her, or whatever. I command that the control and the bondage of that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, every, every authority figure that, Lord, she's either had or would, will face that would bring hatred, I break its power and I loose it from you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, let the Spirit of God come right now with the fire of God, the fire of God right now. Father, where there has been like a stripping of, of anointings and abilities and capacities, I'd ask you right now to replace that with a fresh mantle and gifting upon her. Father, let it come upon her now in Jesus' name. Dave, stand up, would you please? Father, I ask that there would be, Lord, a placement in the Spirit upon him, Lord, of new anointing, new dimensions and capacities. I release that to you, Dave, now in the Spirit. Give it to him in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. You know, um, you are going to meet some people um, that will be really, they are Christians, and they're going to be really unusual. And you're going to, you're going to recognise them by virtue of what I've said here today. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going to be unusual and, and misunderstood, but they're going to be real key players in unlocking the spirit, something around you. And they're good people. It's just misunderstood. I think when you get to wherever you're going, I think there's going to be some divine appointments of these strange but powerful believers that know how to unlock the spirit realm. And you're going to find it's going to be a trigger for you some things. I just sense that's really important and you'll need to recognise that. Spirit of God will show it to you, not a problem. I want you to hold your hands together, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Now let the power of God come upon them mightily. Mightily. Mightily, Jesus. Let it come. Now in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful Jesus.
society 